did that business get started during the marriage? Did they have a prenup? If, if there's no prenup, that business was starting during the marriage, that spouse does have um, an, an interest in the business. You are listening to part two of our interview with divorce attorney Blake Van Zyl. If you haven't listened to the first half of the interview, I recommend going back and listening to part one before listening to this one. You are listening to the Financial Clarity for Doctors podcast by Finity Group, LLC, where we discuss the pertinent financial planning topics facing physicians and other medical professionals. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, and now, here are your hosts, Rochelle Vanderzanden and Corey Janoff. Hello, and welcome to the second half of our interview with divorce attorney Blake Van Zyl. And as always, this should not be considered specific legal advice. Please consult with an attorney licensed in your state for advice pertaining to your unique circumstances. Enjoy the rest of the interview. What are some common things that come up at the end, like during the divorce decree and stuff like that, that people don't think about or aren't prepared for? Yeah, I mean, there's a million little things, but the the number one thing that I, whenever I'm finalizing a divorce and, you know, I'm, I'm working on the divorce decree, uh, is, is trying to think of all the things that could go wrong afterwards, mm-hmm. right? So a big one that I see happen a lot um, that's a personal pet peeve of mine is, okay, let's say we have stay-at-home parent with, you know, that it doesn't have any income leaving the divorce or has more modest income and isn't going to have a higher paying job anytime in the near future, but they want to stay in the home, right? Um, Once you get divorced, you can't stay on, two parties, divorced parties can't be on the mortgage. One party has to mortgage out. So, so you can quit claim that house the day that you're divorced. Can that other spouse refinance, right? I'm not going to agree to a lower income spouse uh, keeping a home until I've had them speak to a mortgage officer and I have personal confirmation that they're going to qualify for a loan uh, and they're going to be able to get that house refinanced. Uh, that's something I see all the time. Uh, where they agree to that and then they quit, they get divorced, they quit claiming over. And then uh, I have a friend who personally went through the situation where, you know, agreed to the divorce, quit claimed it over to her. She wasn't able to refinance. She didn't pay the mortgage. He had to go through bankruptcy. <laughs> he wasn't able to buy a home for another seven years. Uh, and that's something that, that could have been foreseen, right? Yeah. So, um, Things like that are, are what I'm always going to think about is is what happens if one party doesn't do what they say they're going to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, Corey brought up a really good point, life insurance policies. Uh, anytime that I have a spousal support award or a child support award, I'm going to require a life insurance policy guaranteeing that uh, because things happen uh, and we want to make sure that, that that division is secure, right? Have you ever had problems with people securing life insurance? Where they just Health-related issues or can't qualify? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, no, I mean, they, they might not be able to afford the policy that I want them to afford. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but in terms of not getting life insurance at all, I haven't, I haven't actually seen that. Mm-hmm. 
Have yeah. you guys? Some people who have health issues can't qualify for coverage. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess on that, that note, disability insurance too. Like uh-huh. if you're having alimony uh-huh. or child support, uh-huh. is that ever a requirement? Or? Disability insurance, no, I don't do that. But I am often surprised uh, when I have a client with a disability award <laughs> um, how much that is, and then we have to include that uh, in spousal support and child support calculations. Um, yeah, for high income earners, it can be significant. It can be, yeah, mm-hmm. and then. And then, you know, is it partial? Is it full? Mm-hmm. What's the term? Uh, those are those are things that we have to take into account. Right. When we have a lot of clients who own their own practices, mm-hmm. business owners mm-hmm. or even partners in a business, how mm-hmm. does that uh, impact things when we're looking at getting divorced? Again, it depends uh, <laughs> on the type of business. Uh, but but I, people are often surprised because uh, at my firm, uh, I didn't touch on this earlier, we do family law and estate planning. Uh, actually, that's another thing I, I do want to talk about is estate planning in the process of divorce. Uh, but estate planning, uh, that's a side issue, but businesses, uh, depending on the business, if you have a closely held corporation, if you have uh, any sort of partnership LLC where uh, both parties are 50% members or there's there's some sort of marital or community property interest in the business, uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time making business decisions through attorneys. Um, so, so that can affect the business. Uh, and there's different ways to mitigate that, uh, which is something to speak to your attorney about. Uh, but but no, I mean, it is, it is, I'm often doing motions and court orders for Profit distributions for you know large expenditures for you know even you know just things as simple as is getting the up to date financial di- uh, statements or sanctions for not including my client uh, in a business decision that they're entitled to a vote on right um, so so that is a sticky situation uh, because even if that that spouse has never showed up for work never showed up for a board meeting before but they have a right to and you're in the middle of divorce guess what they are showing up uh asking for an office (laughs) i've seen that happen more than once uh so it's definitely something to be aware of again if if you are um in that sort of position to speak to an attorney about before that separation what about maybe uh another example of you know keep it simple a dentist is the sole owner of a practice Mm -hmm stay-at-home spouse, no business, you know, isn't own, isn't mm-hmm. a partner in the business at all, you know, how would that, I'm well, sure it depends. questions, but. I mean, did, uh, did that business get started during the marriage? Did they have a prenup? If, if there's no prenup, that business was starting during the marriage, that spouse does have, um, an, an interest. interest in the business. Okay. What, what that interest is, I can't say. But, but there state. is, but there is an, um, it varies by state and a couple circumstances, but they they do have an interest in the business uh, and whether or not they're going to all of a sudden have some sort of operational um, authority varies, but they, they do have an interest in the business. And you, even if um, most often with the smaller businesses, um, I see a lot of sloppy accounting, <laughs> um, some, you know, not so smart financial decisions in terms of, you know, transferring money from the business account into your retirement account, right? That's something I was yeah. um, 
having a stern conversation with my client about <laughs> earlier this week, you know, that that's um, that's not how we're going to do profit distributions anymore. Um, so, so once the smaller businesses, once we get the divorce going and there's more than one person looking at the books, uh, we're going to have issues, right? Uh, depending on that business and their financial savvy and their bookkeeping practices usually. Uh, so, yeah, I just um, get your ducks in line have your books up to date uh, because once you start the divorce process, and this is something that I tell everyone regardless, um, the divorce process is surprisingly intimate in that we're looking at every aspect of your life. I'm going to know exactly down to the dollar where all your money is, where it went, uh, in addition to your debts, you know, um, you know, like what, what sort of decisions are you making? And often it, it can be embarrassing and it can be really intimate, um, on top of the custody and emotional aspects of it, just really digging into your finances and saying, you know, this is where you are in life. And, and this is what we need to think about going forward because I'm going to also be thinking about my client's long-term financial position and, and how to best serve that. Uh, and what, what do we need to focus on to make sure that you are still going to be financially solvent after this divorce? And even during that divorce process, starting to do some financial planning and making sure that you are going to be sustainable and that we're not going to be, you know, dipping into your savings uh, in order to get by once we've got two households going. Yeah. And yeah, that increased expense is obviously mm -hmm. pretty significant, I'm sure. There's so many different like documents that we talk about, and I feel like with our clients specifically, we have them moving a lot from state to state to state. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you have like a prenup in one state, and then you mm -hmm. get married in another state, and then you have a divorce degree mm -hmm. in another state, is it one of those things where maybe you should have an attorney in the state where you're currently living look at those documents? Like, how do you deal with those kinds of things? So, those are interesting, right? Yeah. Especially when we've got assets in different states or for example financial planners <laughs> across mm -hmm. the country you know we've got three different guys managing our money uh and then we've got you know vacation properties and whatnot um so for the state that you are most of the time both parties are living in one state that's where the divorce is going to be right um and that court is going to have jurisdiction over you know your condo in palm springs or whatever um but if let's say you're involved in a property dispute over that condo in palm springs i'm going to refer you to a california attorney and you need to, to have them look at that issue right um so it just depends on the situation mm -hmm. yeah. right you know i guess if let's say you get married and do a prenup mm -hmm. in Oregon mm -hmm. while you're in residency and mm -hmm. then you move to Texas for to practice yes. and now you live yeah. in Texas but your marriage license mm -hmm. and everything was from Oregon. Mm -hmm. What is that affect things? Yes, it does. So that is an interesting question and something I'm working on right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is so in the prenup it's there's um, some choice of law and venue uh, uh, provisions in there that says, okay, so this prenup was executed in the state, and if and when there's any issue with it, we're going to go do, you know, binding arbitration in the state within a month or whatever it is. Um, that document, now that we're in a different state, that document is not automatically enforceable, right? Uh, because it's, it's a contract, and so it, any contract could be deemed unenforceable by a court for 
various reasons. Um, so you do once you once you're in a different jurisdiction have to have that prenup or whatever the contract is enforced by that jurisdiction. Um, so that's a really interesting. Um, issue that I'm working on right now, so I can't tell you the result <laughs> until we get it resolved, but um, it is, you know, it's not airtight, that, that prenup, um, because would, we've moved. Would you need to maybe get it revised or get a post-nup now that you live in a different state? Well, so you should be doing a post-nup no matter what. Um, Even if you were prenup? Mm-hmm. So you yep, both? Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, that helps with the enforceability of it, um, but no, so for example, in this case, um, that prenup, which also had a postnup, um, is it complies with the with the requirements of that state for prenup enforceability, but the requirements of that state are different than the state that we're in now, right? So we are now in the process of getting a Northwest court to say that this prenup complies with that state's law. Right, so that's a complicated issue because uh, we're not going back to that original state to litigate it. We're litigating it here, but we have to still comply with that other state's laws. Um, so it's it's interesting, um, and my client loves to say, "Why did we have to move a year before?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just in a really unfortunate situation, um, but. But yeah, no, so it's it's definitely interesting and something to be aware of. And again, if you think that you're headed this direction, go speak to an attorney about, um, because there's some big picture considerations that you just don't know until you know. Assuming you're still happily married and you move mm-hmm. to another state, mm-hmm. can you then revise that post-nup with an attorney in the state that you're currently living? Like an estate plan or your car insurance and all that. Right. Yes. Stuff. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. I mean, any like an estate plan or any contract, you know, can always be modified if you're doing it properly. Mm-hmm. And and that is another thing where be sure to do it through an attorney. Um, the oh, the other thing I was going to bring up earlier is um, once you start a divorce process, there's things you can and cannot do in t- terms of the your other finances. So you're not going to be able to change the beneficiaries on your retirement accounts. But my firm, for example, because we do estate planning and divorces, we are going to get that estate plan modified way before we're going to get the divorce done. Um, Because this is unfortunate, but in the event that one party passes in the divorce process, we don't, you know, want the other spouse is going to, with or without a will, probably, dependent on the jurisdiction, get everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that is not my client's wishes and they are to unexpectedly pass in the process of a case, um, we need to make sure that those that their, their uh, state's going to who they want it to go to and not automatically pass into their spouse. Um, this is a bummer, but we did have this happen with one of our clients earlier this week. He passed suddenly and shockingly uh, in the middle of the divorce process, um, and he hadn't changed his estate plan. And so um, I feel awful because, you know, his kids, they're going to go to probate, and it's not looking good for them um, because the wife is, you know, who was awful to this man um, is going to most likely get everything that we were about to go to trial on. That's so unfortunate. Yes, it is. And with the estate planning today, does the spouse have to agree to the changes to the estate plan? Okay. No, you can, um, you know, as long as you, uh, they don't have a power of attorney or anything right. like that over right. you, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're going to be able to do that right away. So I strong, I always strongly encourage that because, um, of course, like, it never happens and you never think it's going to happen, but 
it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's an important consideration. Right. Yeah. So if people are considering going down this path and looking for an attorney to work mm-hmm. with, what are some things they should consider when interviewing prospective divorce attorneys? Yeah, so that is a very good question. Uh, so I always tell people to interview multiple attorneys. If I'm doing a consultation and someone says, great, I want to hire you today, I often will encourage them, I think you should go talk to a few more, right? Because an attorney, like a financial planner, any professional that you're going to work with, you need to be able to trust them. Um, And like I said earlier, this is a really intimate process. I'm going to be looking at every aspect of your finances. I'm going to be asking you some hard questions, you know, dependent on the case issues. Like we're going to be especially with kids, um, we're going to be really digging into your family dynamics. Like I'll probably be reading your text messages and your emails, you know, and I'm going to know about the things that you said when you were upset, right? Uh, And I need you to be able to trust me uh, and tell me those things up front so that I'm not surprised by them, you know, and when I'm on the phone with another attorney or in court or anything like that. Uh, But I just, you need to, you need to be comfortable with your attorney and trust them to just be completely honest about everything. Because um, often when, when people don't have that trust and they feel like they need to hide or, you know, maybe not tell every aspect of the story, that's going to come out. Right, and and if I know about it beforehand, I can mitigate it. I can get in front of it. That's what I want to do for you. Um, but if my client doesn't trust me to be completely forthright, it's a disservice to them because I can't get ahead of it. Um, so so I always want people to be 110. I like this person. I trust this person. I am going to be comfortable telling them. You know about my sex life, (laughs) you know, that fight that happened in, you know, Santa Barbara, whatever it is, um, you, you need to really trust your attorney. And then the other things to think about are what, so in family law in particular and estate planning as well, there's some variety in terms of what you're going to get from an attorney. Do you want to go to a big firm, right? Where you're going to be working with, um, a partner and maybe one or two associates on your case and having you know, a few people touch your file, right? Uh, and not have that the same one-on-one relationship maybe. Or, you know, if you go to, so there's pros and cons there. Or if you go to, say, a solo practitioner, there's just going to be one person working on your case. They're going to know every detail. You're just going to be communicating with them. But they might not have the resources of a larger firm, right, in terms of litigation perspective and, ter- in like, trial prep and, and aspects like that. So, so what is important to you um, or you know going somewhere more mid-size um, there's there's just some aspects in that in terms of what you're looking for in your representation if you want it to be the best of the best and you don't care how much it costs um, and you're going to go to a big firm and and you know you just know that you know there's going to be a couple people touching your file and um, and that you know that you're going to have legal assistants and paralegals and associates and partners looking at your case, uh, or you know on the, on the smaller end, you know just one person knowing everything, right? Uh, but then when you have just that one person, what happens when they go on vacation or it's the weekend and you can't get a hold of them, right? Like there's 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 pros and cons. Um, so my firm, for example, we're a regional firm and we're on the higher 
and the mid-size, I'd say. We have five offices. Um, and most of my cases, I work on, you know, either I'm the attorney on the case, and then they'll be working with my legal assistant, or it'll be a case where, you know, if it's um, a bigger case, it'll be, you know, I'll be working, I'll be second chair with my partner, and then um, she'll be the one, you know, showing up at court, but I'm going to be the one calling you about, you know, who paid this bill or, you know, whatever the little issue is. Um, and then you'll have, you know, a paralegal and one or two legal assistants working on your case. So more people are touching your file, uh, but we also have a lot more resources and hands on deck. And then, you know, if you can't get a hold of, you know, one attorney, you can get a hold of another, right? Um, or we're going to be more available after hours, right? Uh, so it just depends on what's important to you and to think about that. And then, again, uh, no matter who your attorney is, it's just so important that you really trust them. Um, and so I like to think of it as kind of dating around <laughs> uh, and do a couple consults. You know, even if you <clears throat> love the first attorney, just meet a few more and go with your gut. That's always my advice uh, because, again, it's going to be way more intimate than you think it is. It's also going to take a lot longer than you think it's going to. So you need to be really comfortable with that person and um, have that sense of trust and that they're going to be doing the best that they can for you. You have to put up with them for a while. Yes, you do. <laughs> you sure do. I um, think this is probably an obvious one, but how much do you think gender plays a role in that comfort level? That's a good question because, oh, excuse me, um, because I'm often surprised as a woman how well I work with my male clients, right? Yeah. Uh, because I have my, honestly, some of my favorite clients are, you know, older men, <laughs> uh, and, but they, but they trust me and they tell me everything and we work together really well and they're, they're forthright. Um, and so, uh, but then, you know, but then I also have some female clients who are very upfront. I'm looking for a female attorney. I want someone that I can talk about my feelings with. Um, and, and that's what they're looking for. And I do that too. Right. So it's just, it's interesting though, uh, person to person. Um, and yeah, I've, I've had, uh, more than one client say to me, you know, I fired my last attorney because, you know, he didn't really seem to care about me or want to talk about my concerns um, and was just, you know, like asking me questions and not really listening or taking the time to get to know me. Mm -hmm. uh, and personally, you know, one thing that I really enjoy about family law um, is that I'm, I'm getting to know my clients, right? And I'm not only getting to know my clients, I'm getting to know their whole life, you know? <laughs> I, know, you know. <laughs> I know their kids, I know each children's personality and particularities and everything that's going on with the family. I also am probably going to get to know, you know, your best friends, your <laughs> your siblings, maybe your parents, you know, like I'm, I'm going to get involved in your life and, and the cases that are going to take longer, you know, that's unfortunate, but you're going to be dealing with me for a long time and um, you need to like me right <laughs> and so so that's that's important uh, it's not just getting the best attorney but the one that you are comfortable with and the one that you trust uh, and the one that you're going to be comfortable kind of opening your life to um, because yeah no I mean it's it's shocking how many of my clients um, I know their social circles I know their whole families like I you know because I'm also you know we're, we're doing witnesses I'm, I'm getting you know some third-party declarations we might be deposing whatever um, so so yeah it's just it's it's interesting um, but the the gender dynamic thing is something that people bring up a lot uh, because it's the same thing you know when they're looking for a gynecologist or <laughs> a therapist or whatever you know like some people have a preference on gender some people don't you know some people um, 
you know have a preference for men for whatever reason and that's that's fine you know like I want you to I want you to be with the person you're going to trust yeah. right uh, yeah. and and that's what's most important to me because um, I don't want to I spend I spend my day arguing on your behalf I don't want to be arguing with you right and so so whatever that's going to take for you to trust your attorney go with that attorney awesome. absolutely yeah yeah I think we should end on a light note <laughs> the last question <laughs> so what are some of the weirdest requests or demands you've oh, seen? Gosh, I um, <laughs> um, oh man, I I just don't want to get too particular. Um, change names. I know, no, no, no. I, don't, I don't think he'll mind if I do this. I was a couple weeks ago. I was meeting with a client and. Um, we're doing temporary orders for his case, which means, you know, we're, we're figuring out who is going to pay what bills, you know, who's going to live where, who's going to drive what car, who's doing what bills until the case is over, right? So, but we're not doing big picture, you know, who gets what retirement account. Like, we're not making any final decisions. Uh, and uh, I was sitting there, and I was reviewing the temporary orders that his wife had filed, and I was like, okay, is there anything at the house that you, you want right now, or that you need right now, you know, that we need to address at temporary orders? And then... <laughs> I like he sits for a second and then I'm like looking at my paper and then he just goes my jacuzzi (laughs) (laughs) like like yells it like he (laughs) he needs jacuzzi and I was like okay well you just moved into an apartment (laughs) what are you gonna do with the jacuzzi and he goes I'm gonna put it in storage and I go okay <laughs> and then I go what else do you need you know and then the rest of the list is like a lawnmower power tool like like it's not things that he needs this month you know uh, and I just kind of had to say you know let's get these for you long term <laughs> but that's not what we're doing and for now um, so I hope he never hears this. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, so, so things, you know, and everyone has their things that they're really particular about. And uh, myself and other attorneys, we love to talk about um, the personal property disputes, right? Because we're worried about big picture things like houses, accounts, you know, custody. Like, we're worried about the big things. Um, but then, okay, I'll, I'll share one other thing. Um, <laughs> this, this case was finalized over a year ago. Um, and so, and I love to joke with the other attorney about it, but um, this family was LDS. And uh, in, in that area, they um, keep really particular ge- genealogical records. Um, so there was, and this was like a 40-year marriage. Like they got married when they were 18 and they were like in their late 50s. Like it was a long-term marriage. Um, so they had this book um, <laughs> that had both sides of the family's genealogy that b- they'd been working on for like 30 years, right? Yeah. And it just was all these handwritten records. And then there was also some additional sort of like religious family documents. Um, and we finalized the all the what myself and the other attorney, you know, looked at as the important aspects of the divorce, spousal support, house sale, all that stuff. That was done, and then we spent another two months arguing about these documents, um, and who would have the originals, who would get a copy, what the copy was going to be like, because that was really important to these people, and and if it's important to you, it's important to me uh, to an extent, right? Like, if it is your microwave, I'm going to tell you no way. Like, not, I'm not spending your money for me to argue over a $100 microwave, right? But but if it, it has family significance um, or, or some sort of sentimental value, 
please let me know. I'm happy to go to bat for that um, because I because I did. I spent two months holding up this divorce uh, so that my client could get this book that was really important to her. Um, and I can't even remember what the final. I don't know if my client got it or she got copies, but but whatever it was, it took us a lot of time to get there. Um, so so that was an interesting one that you know I was writing a lot of nasty letters, you know, or and just like really detailed, like this is exactly what's in there. This is where it is. This is what she needs, you know. Um, and and so you know, there's there's definitely interesting requests like that. I'm sure it's very helpful to you if you know that stuff up front, yes. as opposed yes. to like you yes. know the yes. week before everything's mm-hmm. supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I'm always really particular. Like I don't want to know about the you know, box of sweaters in the garage, <laughs> unless it's a box of sweaters that your mom gave you, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, yeah, I want to know, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to be picky and choosy because I'm not going to spend a lot of time, you know, arguing over the, not the good china, but the everyday plates, you know, <laughs> unless they're very important to you. And if they are, please tell me the reason and let's figure that out. But otherwise, no, we're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us yeah, and taking time out of your busy me. day. So. Lots of good information. Yes. Very <laughs> yeah. useful. A lot to digest yes. here. Yeah. But again, please, consult you know, please consult an attorney. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, everything I spoke on was uh, specific to Washington and Oregon uh, and not anyone's particular situation, just general. Um, but if you have any questions, please consult with an attorney. Uh, and and it's, you know, always easy to do a consultation, even if you're not going to move forward on anything, just to get an idea. Um, because... Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about everything from spousal support to custody arrangements, uh, and it's, it can be really uh, relieving, actually, to, to go and get an idea that, you know, your worst fear is probably not what a reality. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. We would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like us to cover. You can get in touch with the show by emailing podcast at thefinitygroup.com or by following Finity Group on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Finity Group LLC. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Janoff CFP or on LinkedIn under my name, Corey Janoff. You can follow me on Twitter at Rochelle Finance or on LinkedIn as well. Check out all the podcast episodes on thefinitygroup.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our blog, thefinitygroup.com slash blog. Thanks for listening to this episode of Financial Clarity for Doctors by Affinity Group, LLC.